welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Over two decades right here, our toll-free number, 800-951-0592, the physical delivery of gold and silver, legal, lawful, constitutional tender, and no one does it better than we do. Because you know what? It's not just about the metal. Right? It's about the information. It's about keeping everybody informed. And we've got another great show as we get ready for Donald Trump and his first address of the Congress. This is technically not the State of the Union, uh, but this is the speech that would be uh, when you're a first-time president. They don't call it that, I guess. So starting this time next year, it will be the State of the Union. You know, this is the one where the Republicans will clap, but the Democrats won't, you know, and and all of the other embarrassing things that is our elected officials. And, you know, will they shake his hand, not shake his hand, and all this other nonsense. Uh, but, but we'll see what he lays out. I think everybody is trying to figure out exactly how's this all going to play out, how's it all going to get paid for, and we'll be here to break that all down for you. Go out to our website, allamericangold.com. This is our free report. This is it. Right? You don't have to give us your name, your phone number, your email address. You just go right out there. Monday through Friday, hundreds of articles and videos for your disposal so you can become more educated about what is really happening in the world today. Uh, there's so many other things. You, you can follow us on Twitter at Patriot Trading One. Uh, we've got our blog out there. Don't forget, follow us on SoundCloud, our podcast. Uh, sometime today, uh, around 1130, I'm going to have a an interview with Danielle DiMartino Booth. She's the author of Fed Up, and it's our first real inside look at what the Federal Reserve is um, and and it's something where you know we, we get the books you know Alan Greenspan writes books right Ben Bernanke's written a book and I'm sure when Janet Yellen is done she'll write her book uh, but to get uh, somebody that's on the inside but not one of the you know I guess the the head honchos. It's really a fascinating look. Uh, That whole interview will be up on SoundCloud later today. Uh, We will play segments of that uh, in our broadcast tomorrow. Uh, But if you're following us, you'll get notified and be able to listen to that whole thing well ahead of time. Uh, You can do that out on our website. Of course, you can order online. You can do all so many different things. I hope you take the time and do that. Make it part of your daily routine. And when we talk about uh, what we do here, you know, we talk about economics and economics with attitude, and and we we really try to figure out what it is that is, you know, we're kind of stuck in this whole 
debt trap, and, and we, we've decided, and I say we, we weren't, most of us weren't alive when this was decided, that we've turned everything over to this private entity known as the central bank, and they've been trying to tell us how great things are, and yet when you look at the real economics of things, not so good, we had a bunch of different economic reports out, but the big one had to be fourth quarter gross domestic product. You know, this used to be how the economy was judged. And any time GDP fell below 3%, the Federal Reserve started to worry. You don't hear about that anymore. Matter of fact, we haven't had 3% growth in like 10 years. Fourth quarter GDP, this was the second estimate. You know, we had the first one was 1.9%. Today it came back 1.9%. For all of 2016, GDP growth 1.6%. The worst performance since 2011. And it really gives you a really broad indication of how messed up things really are. You know, really, when you think about it, we only get 1.6 for the entire year in interest rates. I mean, they didn't raise interest rates till December to get to half of a point. So you think about interest rates pretty much for the entire year were at a quarter and we only could get 1.6% GDP growth and of course they're talking about normalizing rates and all that of course the new normalizing of rates I guess is going to be 2% and then you start thinking about Real wages, the fact that they're not growing. Matter of fact, they shrunk again, real wages. But yet in this GDP number, they said the consumer spending was good. Consumer spending was up 3%. Of course, all of this stuff seasonally adjusted. And uh, and I've been making the case, when are we going to end the lying, the cheating, the stealing? Let's just use real numbers. But we're not that unintelligent. We can figure it out. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. Patriot Radio News Hour. I just got a real simple question. You know, think about whether it's J.C. Penny, the, the earnings from Target today. I don't know if you saw that. I think Target stocks. I know it's down double digits. 10, 12 percent uh, as they missed all over the place. Even, you know, because let's face it, you know, they play this game where they lower the the earnings number so far down that they're supposed to actually be able to beat them. Target couldn't even do that today. Uh, they missed on revenue. They missed on earnings. They missed everywhere. And really this whole growing trend in the retail industry and yet somehow they want you to believe that the consumer is spending. Where? Well, really, the problem is is they may be spending, but the things they're buying 
are continually costing more. And really, the big thing, right? Really, when you when you look at the consumer, there's three real big ticket, and really, maybe it's up to four, right? The first one is the living, right? Where do you live? And I don't care if it's a mortgage or a rent payment. Record highs, both of them. Even with the Fed's funds rate at half of uh, half of a percent, you know, you start thinking about how scary that really is. Right? You could understand that. Hey, you know what? If I had a a 30-year mortgage and I had, a, you know, an 8% mortgage or a 10% mortgage, that gets a little pricey. But no, we're at all-time highs with mortgage rates, what, about 4? You had a 30-year fixed around 4? And this is part of the unintended consequences that the Federal Reserve has done. And then you start thinking about, so that's that's number one, right? That's the one big chunk. The next big chunk, right? You got to get to work, right? The car, cars have gotten so expensive that most people now rent their car, right? That, that's a fancy, you know, the, the lease, the lease business. That's a fancy word for renting your vehicle. They said that this year, or I guess last year, 2016, more people than ever before had to get a new vehicle while still owing more than the old vehicle they had was worth. All-time record high. You know what they do to those? Right? They They just tack it on. So, so think about this. Let's just say you, you bought a car or you leased a car, right? You rented your car, and the old one you rented or had, you owed money on, and they're like, ah, don't worry, we'll just we'll just tack on that extra four or five grand. By the way, that was the average. It wasn't like they owed like five hundred dollars, right, or or something close. Well, the average person was trading in a car that they owed four to five thousand extra dollars on, and they just tacked it on to the next one. My question is: five years from now, what is going to happen? Now, all of a sudden, you go back, and now you owe ten grand more. I'm going to keep tacking it on. Of course, you think about what that does to the payment. Again, another year. You want another record? These are fa- car payments, all-time record high. We've never paid more. When you think about, we've also set a record on how many people are renting a car versus actually buying a car. So now you have the price to put a roof over your head at record high. The price to get to work, all-time record high. 
Then you start throwing on, right, we have record high student loan debt. That's a record. Right? This is a brand new payment in the last, what, 20, 30 years? Then, of course, what's the credit card payment? By the way, credit card debt back to all-time record high. And then you start to, to understand where we're, where we're really, really at. We're at a point where the consumer, every single month, is just, the vast majority are just trying to get by. Right? How many people we know that play the, uh, you know, the, the game of when they can pay this bill and pay that bill, right? It's, it's a part of life now. Right? In order to, to be able to get by anymore, you got to be great at what? Shuffling of the bills. That used to only be for, like, the working poor. Now, really, outside of, you know, the 1%, that's mainstream America today. That's middle-class America. You know, and, I, and really, you know, the funny thing that, that really gets to me is we start thinking about, you know, what Donald Trump's going to try to do to grow this economy. We're going to blow, we're basically going to blow a huge hole in the debt, another hole in the debt. I say another, it's already $20 trillion, but these things are going to be huge. Just to try to get a GDP number that's at 3%. And I start thinking about, you know, you go back to the crisis and, and how it was all broken. And now they said, you know, the, you know, the Dow's hit a record high 12 days in a row. Now, granted, most of them are like 10 points or 15 points, but 12 days in a row. If it, if it closes at a record high today, I think it'll be the longest streak in history. And, and you start really understanding, wait a minute. This is nowhere close to the best times in United States history. It's just not. And you start to understand, really, the deception that is being played upon us all. Right? All they care about is what? Hey, we're going to pay less taxes. We're going to get tax breaks. Trump's going to give away the farm to us, and, and our stock price is going to go up. And we're going to take all of that money and we're going to buy back our stock. You watch. And, and I start thinking about what it is that these banks have been allowed to do. One of the people that I've been following, Neil Kashkari, for those of you that don't know him, he was the person they put in charge of the TARP fund. Right, that was the bailing out of the banks. Right, the ones that they allegedly paid us back. Remember that they paid us back with interest. That's the that's the mantra. That's the story. What they didn't tell you was they got to write it all off on their taxes. So instead of paying taxes, they pretended to pay us back. Wouldn't that be great if you could do that? Hey, bail me out, and then let me write down all my losses on my taxes year after year, and I'll pretend like I paid you back. 
So here is the guy that was in charge of doling out the TARP money. He is now in charge of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve. One of the things that he has been talking about is something where, you know, what and they say, you know, we won't say it like I do. But they haven't fixed anything. You know, part of the thing that they touted as a reason why they fixed it is we made the banks carry more on their balance sheet. Right, and they, they have this tier one, tier two, tier three capital. In other words, when a bank makes a loan, they now require them to have X amount of dollars of tier one, which is, you know, the won't you know, loans that won't go bad. Then tier two, yeah, there's some risk, but not a lot. And then of course tier three is the real risky stuff, the junk. And this is how they're claiming they're going to fix it. Kashkari was saying, you know, really, when you think about it, if the bank was going to make a mortgage, and let's just say J.P. Morgan decided that Joe Smuckatelli after doing all the paperwork, filling it all out, he could buy that new home. And let's just say it was half a million dollars. Wouldn't it make sense if he was such a good risk and the bank was like, man, this is a great price, right? Half a million dollars, fantastic that the bank would be required to keep, you know, I don't know 10 or 20% of that on their own books right, wouldn't that make sense I mean if it's such a great investment if that half million dollar house was so great and Schmuckatelli was such a good I mean, we've got a great credit score. He's only filed bankruptcy a couple of times. And, yeah, I know he lost his house seven years ago. But he's such a credit-worthy guy. And most people out there actually think that's how it works. It doesn't. Neil Kashkari talked about that last week. And you start really thinking about why it is I've been saying for I don't even know how long now. We need to shine a light on what it is the Federal Reserve really does. Who's getting all the money? Why is it they're still giving the banks money not to lend money? You know, they just released a thing. You know, bank earnings were up 7%. That's what they said. Anyway, I don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't really matter. You know, they didn't mention in that article that, that the bank earnings were up 7% that uh, 
which, by the way, equaled about $3 billion more this year than last year in quote-unquote profits, about the handouts from the Federal Reserve, right, 90, I want to say the number, and, I, and I'm not quite sure. You know what, I'll look it up. I don't want to say it and be wrong. But every, every year, the Federal Reserve, we're, we pay the banks not to lend money. And then the banks write that down as earnings. And we sit there and we start thinking about, what is it that we fixed? What was it that we tried to fix? I mean, Wall Street, is that what we wanted to? I guess if, if that's what we wanted to fix, then the mission was accomplished. But if you have to pay more than ever to put a roof over your head, if you have to pay more than ever to be able to get to your job, you have to pay more than ever for health care. What have we really fixed? And why is it none of these financial institutions have to take the risk with you? Patriot Radio News Hour, we'll be back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that deny freedom of religion, slander America, and would redefine the family. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Following the election of President Donald Trump, liberals went from disbelief to sheer panic. In an effort to discredit the new president, liberal media outlets seized on stories of alleged violence by Trump supporters. Now that the dust has settled and these claims have been fully investigated by the proper authorities, everyone can see what was actually behind the claims. Not surprisingly, most of the claims turned out to be completely false. One African-American woman claimed that white male Trump supporters harassed her at a gas station with racial slurs and threats on her life. Her claim went viral on Facebook, and President Trump's election was said to be the cause of the incident. However, five police agencies, including local and state authorities, said that they did not receive any reports or evidence of the incident as the woman claimed. In another case, a Muslim student at the University of Michigan claimed that she was forced to remove her hijab after a white male Trump supporter threatened to light her on fire. Her story garnered instant attention from international media outlets, none of which stopped to verify that the student was telling the truth. However, those same media outlets did not feel so eager to report when the police determined that the claim was completely fabricated. After reviewing many hours of surveillance footage, the police concluded that the student who made the claim was not even at the alleged crime scene when the alleged crime took place. No one should be surprised that liberals came out and made false claims in a desperate attempt to attack the new president. Liberals have used these kinds of unethical tactics for years. However, what's even worse is the fact that media outlets rushed to report the false claims before they were even verified. Then, when the claims turned out to be false, they refused to retract their previous reports. Americans need to know that the mainstream media does not prioritize telling the truth in their reporting. The media often acts as nothing more than the mouthpiece of the liberal agenda. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. On the blog at PSEagles.com, you are invited to take a stand against those who would mock traditional values, slander America, or try to redefine the family. 
PSEagles.com is your site to speak from the heart, ask questions, and get honest feedback. Won't you join the conversation at PSEagles.com? Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. So we start doing the math. Rent, which, by the way, you know, they don't even use home prices anymore. They got rid of that in the 80s because they were going up too fast. <laughs> so they substituted that out to uh, to rent. Now that's skyrocketed. Of course, you know when rents really took off? Is when all of a sudden Wall Street became landlords. Just something that, you know, not that rents weren't rising, they were. But not like this. So, putting a roof over your head has never been more expensive. Driving or buying the car, your transportation, never been more expensive. Health care, despite Obamacare, right, despite all the, you know, the promises, never been more expensive. And the problem is they're getting expensive and you're getting less. But not only are your premiums more, your co-pays more, they cover less, you know. Prescription drugs are more. Then you've got to get insurance. Right? All of those are more. And then you start figuring out that the consumer is spending more every year than their wages are rising every year. And when you really start in, uh, adjusting for inflation, you're talking about a standard of living that is approaching 20% less than just three decades ago. 20% less than the 80s. And you start really thinking about everything that's costing all of this and, and the money hasn't kept up and you're wondering why this GDP, why there's no growth. The answer is very simple. And the answer is, they're lying about the number, period. You know, they decided, did I say they, right, the central bankers. Right? Listen, there was a bad time, right? Think about the 70s, right? That, they looked bad, right? Inflation and all that. And they said Paul Volcker got the credit for crushing inflation and all of this stuff. You know how they crushed it? They just simply changed how they counted it. Now, don't get me wrong. It was better than what it was during the most of the seven. But it was never as good as they claimed it to be. And every decade, they've made major changes now to the point. You now, you think about this. So, Social Security. Social Security used to be pay-as-you-go. 
pays to go, pays to go, pays to go. And they they changed all of that to try to get ready for the baby boom. And I, you know, we talked about this at Infinite on Alan Greenspan. But cost of living adjustments that came about. Oh gosh, we're looking about forty years ago or so. No, because that used to not be one of the factors. But as they were devaluing the currency, they realized, hey, we got to start giving some cost of living adjustments. Thirty-three years in a row, you got one if you were collecting Social Security. It wasn't really until the last seven that you've really gotten none. Matter of fact, like this year's was what, five bucks? Last year's it was nothing. Matter of fact, the only nothing years have occurred in the last seven or eight years. How did it happen? Did things cost less? No, of course they didn't. But they just simply decided let's change the calculations so we can pretend that our policies of, you know, that, that we're supposed to have price stability is important. Really what we found out, what we've really learned, is the Fed does have a mandate. But it's not the ones that they're supposed to have. Full employment and price stability. Those are the two that they've been given. And full employment came later. Price stability was the original. But the real mandate is what? The debt market. That's really all they care about. Because really when you look at the other two mandates, full employment has become a joke. 95 million people not in the workforce, and yet they go out acting like they've done the best job ever. Matter of fact, they'll tell you we're about at full employment. Just ask them. Real wages are going down, not up. That doesn't equal full employment. Price stability. Oh, price stability? Now, there is price stability as long as you agree to lower your standard of living, because here's their logic. Well, if you can't afford this house, you'll buy one you can't. And if you can't afford that, you'll rent something that you can afford. Right? If you can't afford steak, you'll buy hamburger. If you can't afford a new car, you'll rent one. And this has been happening now for decades. And you really start to wonder, you know, why it is things aren't what they appear to be. If the economy was so great, ask yourself this. If the economy was so great, why is Donald Trump going to blow up the budget deficit? 
Why is that going to happen if everything is so great? If everything's so great, we just ran a trillion dollars of debt. Why would we cut taxes if things were so great? And the real thing that we need to be asking ourselves is why are we continuing to play the charade? How can you ever fix a problem if you refuse to acknowledge the problem even exists? Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour. Our toll free number 800 951 If everything's so great, none of these things would be necessary. But the realities are, not only are they necessary, they're probably not even big enough. And you ask the question, how can we solve the problem? If nobody is willing to admit there's the problem. You know, as I was reading Fed Up, Daniel Martino's book, Daniel Martino's book, it talks about, matter of fact, Ramon's got it on our webpage today. I actually tweeted it out a few days ago. How the, the, the Federal Reserve now is loaded with, you know, academia. People that have, hey, I'm, I'm a smart person. I'm book smart. I went to school. I got my... Ph.D. in economics. Never actually worked outside of the government. Never run a business. <laughs> I really don't know how any of the real world works, but, I, but I'm really good at economic models. These same economic models, by the way, that have yet to prevent a single crash. They didn't work in '87. They didn't work when the dot, uh, you know, the dot com bubble burst. They didn't see the housing market crash. You know what's so funny is, take Janet Yellen. As late as 2007. She was making comments like, oh, I don't see any problem. The banks are fine and housing, it's fine. It'll be fine. Right, Ben Bernanke, it's a subprime crisis and it's contained. Why would they say these things? Janet Yellen was at the San Francisco Federal Reserve. Three of the worst states in housing, California, Nevada, and Arizona, all resided in her district. And by all accounts, Janet Yellen is an extremely intelligent human being. Why would she make such comments? 
And the answer was really pretty simple. Well, we have this economic model, and, and based on the data that we put in there, this is what it said. Which obviously would lead to the conclusion that the model is broken. <laughs> I mean, obviously. No, that's not the conclusion they come up with. And we sit here and, and, and we, we, we bring up questions like auditing the Federal Reserve. Just audit them. And you would, you, I mean, you would think that we want to throw everybody in prison, right? Get the, get, go North Korea on them or whatever it may be, right? And get the anti-aircraft gun and put out the firing squad. And they talk about needing their independence. One of the things in, in, in Booth's book talks about how, what a fallacy that truly is. The Federal Reserve is extremely political. And we're sitting here and we're, we're, we're getting ready for a speech tonight about the, you know, in, using his own words, history historic spending increases. And at the same time, our central bank is saying, hey, everything's fine. We're at full employment. So why would we have space? If we're at full employment, why would we blow up the debt? Right? Everybody that wants a job's got one. They said so. Now what are we going to do? And so I guess when we sit there and we try to think about what, what's really going to happen next, I think the answer is very, really very, very clear. Until we decide that we want to take our economic future seriously. Because until that happens, we have no hope that any type of, it doesn't matter what the plan is, it is destined for failure. Because we simply don't want to use common sense. You know, you think about it, if all these economic models, if they were so great, you would think that all of these things would work out perfectly. Right? There'd be no bubbles, there'd be no crashes. <laughs> we wouldn't have to fleece all of the seniors out there. You know, really, you know, you, you think about it, right? Nobody, if you actually did, let's just say you're one of the fortunate ones. Hey, I'm able to make it to retirement and I saved a bunch of money doing it. Now what do you got to do? I've got to keep risking it all day after day, week after week, month after month, and hope it all stays together. Because I can't go buy a CD and I can't go buy a bond and live off the interest anymore. Pedro Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. 
Final segment on a Tuesday. Quick look here at the markets. Depending on where you look, gold's up six or or flat. I'm going to tell you it's flat from close to close. Uh, it's twelve hundred fifty-nine dollars, uh, just a few bucks off its highs for the year. Silver, uh, same type of situation. Uh, I'm going to tell you it's up nine cents. You'll see it up up, up above twenty-five cents. Uh, Eighteen dollars forty-five cents. Also, right near its highs for the year. Uh, U.S. Silver Eagle, backdated U.S. Silver Eagles. You can pick those up for less than $3 over spot today. Uh, call us at 800 951 On the gold side, U.S. $5 gold liberties. These are the old ones, 1866 to 1907. At $350, another just, just great value right now. Uh, anytime you can, especially good, go into the fractional markets uh, and pay that small of a premium, just a great time to get in. And probably the best deal, I don't have a lot, I got 25 rolls of silver quarters at $135 a roll, uh, which if you do the math on that, puts that at $18.88, and you think about, you know, spots at $18.45, think about that, that's, you know, $0.43 cents over spot, uh, but I, I just don't have a lot of them, but I do got 25 rolls, and those are live, they're here, they're in stock at 800-951-0592, as we sit here, you know, and here's the sad part. We don't even know what really how bad the situation is because they won't tell us, right? And when we're we're not even allowed to conduct an audit to see if we can try to figure it out. And this is the listen. We're talking about this is the wealth of our the entire nation. Right? This is why we wake up in the morning and we put our pants on and we put our shoes on and we go to work. And we allow them to hide in secrecy and, and, they, and they act like they're out there trying to do all this to save us. But yet, really, when you look at it, it almost looks like the exact opposite is true. We don't want to save you. We want to trick you into thinking we're saving. Really, at the same time, we just want to know how big of a bite we can take out of you without you noticing. And this is why you put gold and silver away. It's an insurance policy. What if it doesn't work? What if 10 years from now the debt's $40 trillion and there's still no growth? That's why you put it away. 800-951-0592. Don't forget, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. This is hopefully the first of many. About 11.30 Arizona time, I will be interviewing Danielle DiMartino Booth about her book, Fed Up. This is the first time, at least that I know of, where we're going to get an in-depth look from an insider at the Federal Reserve that wasn't one of the head honchos. 
Uh, we'll have that up on SoundCloud late this afternoon, and then we'll play clips of you, clips of that interview tomorrow. But before you do that, take the time, give us a call, put some product away. You'll be glad you did. Everybody take care. Have a great day.